1: This is Amy with a Y. And Amy with an I. From the Secular Soup podcast, and we never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore.
0: Seriously, if we wanted to listen to white guys blather on about politics, we'd just turn on C-SPAN.
1: Right? Dudes are the fucking worst. Ugh. Ugh.
2: Brittany's the, the best part. part. Eat your soup, bitches.
3: Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 644 by Doubt it with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, as I often am. Joined today, as I always am, by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page.
2: So, we are back from the holidays.
3: Yeah, took a little, a little holiday hiatus. Yeah. A little break. hmm A little relaxing time.
2: Yeah, unfortunately... <laughs> All of the podcasts that I listen to and all of the media that I consume also did that.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: So while we weren't recording, I was also unable to listen to all of the things that I normally listen to. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So they were slacking off just like us.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, everyone needs a break. Everyone needs a break. Yeah. Especially if you are um, covering the things that we cover.
3: Yeah, sometimes. Oh, we've talked about it in the past, how there are... I feel compelled that we need to, you know, really drive hard because it is, I, you know, we've taken on this mantle. We've taken on this, this obligation Mm -hmm. and we're happy to do it. But sometimes you do need a little, (laughs) a little respite.
2: Yeah, for sure. Okay.
3: But we are back. Mm -hmm. Raring to go. We got the the New Year holiday coming up in the next couple of days, but or a few days, but that's not a we've recharged. Yes. Good to go. Yes. Happy to be back.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: We we did a little in our in our moment of rest
1: mm-hmm.
3: and relaxation. We went and saw a movie that I I really want to talk about. Yeah. Bombshell. Mm. The the Fox News one. Mm-hmm. Which just for the makeup was fucking unbelievable. Are you sure we didn't talk about this?
2: <clears throat> yeah, we did not talk about it.
3: Just, just, just the makeup was unbelievable. Yeah, how they transformed Charlie Theron mm-hmm. into Megan Kelly.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable, and I think the makeup artist who worked on the film, who worked on um, Charlize Theron to make her Megan Kelly, said it was one of the most difficult jobs that they've ever had. Yeah, yeah. And they have done very complicated work, not just making a beautiful Charlize Theron look just different. <laughs>
3: turning a beautiful woman into another beautiful woman yeah
2: just just kind of making like a few adjustments here <laughs> yeah, and there right.
3: yeah. well it wasn't just her though there were several people and i'm not even talking about roger ailes yeah or john lithgow yeah uh The guy who played, and he was only in the movie for maybe five minutes total, the guy who played Bill O'Reilly.
2: Oh, I thought it was Bill O'Reilly.
3: Yeah, it looked like they somehow got Bill O'Reilly to come in and play himself. He looked exactly like Bill O'Reilly. Yeah,
2: it was was pretty crazy. I, I think that people who haven't spent a lot of time watching Fox news or don't know a lot of the players, the cast of Fox news will struggle a little bit while watching the movie. Um, I think that, and I haven't watched Fox news with any regularity for like, I don't know, 5 years maybe. Sure. But I still knew a lot of the the figures and the names because well, of what we do here, right? Yeah. But even before that, I I did watch some of the shows on there, so I feel like I I know the cast of characters pretty well.
3: Also, you're familiar with the culture right at the network. Mhm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and and it was it was a difficult movie to watch. I think it's very important for men in particular to see because they show how abuse of women can happen without even needing to physically touch somebody. Sure, yeah. And I even heard Margot Robbie interviewed, and she said that she, before doing this movie, before reading this script, she wouldn't have been able to define sexual harassment, and she would have told you that she had never been sexually harassed. And through reading the script, she realized that, she didn't have things really figured out (laughs)
3: Mm, yeah
2: um so it's not just men is is what i'm saying that also women may be confused about these things too and i think the movie is very instructive on that what was weird though is that we went to the movie and we haven't had one of these stories in a really long time
3: (laughs) oh one of the idiots in the theater stories
2: uh, yes, people in the theater being interesting. Yeah, and yeah. This,
3: this, this hasn't happened in a long time.
2: Yeah, there was a woman. She was older. I don't know. I don't know how I m- might characterize her age. I think she was over sixty years old. Yeah, I would. That say would be my guess for
3: sure. Mid fifties
2: mm-hmm.
3: and above. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And in our
3: row, probably four seats away.
2: Yeah, there were several uncomfortable scenes. Several. And during these scenes, this woman would laugh. And she was the only one laughing. So it was very pronounced because it was a silent theater.
3: Because the scenes were so heavy and so uncomfortable. Right. Just fucking gross, the behavior. That everyone is, I wouldn't say shocked because you kind of know you're expecting it to happen. Right. But even knowing... It is still kind of like a oh Jesus! So everybody's quiet, and you got this fucking lady over here cackling away.
2: Yeah, and I I understand nervous laughter can happen, right? Especially if things get a little too sure. close to home. You you're starting to feel emotions that are really uncomfortable. You want some space from it. You
3: you didn't think she was nervous laughing, did you? No, I, I didn't, didn't think so. it
2: did not sound like a nervous laugh. It, it sounded like, like entertainment laughing.
3: It that's exactly that was, that's exactly what I was going to say.
2: Yeah, as though she was entertained by what was happening. Like she really
3: thought it was funny.
2: Yeah, like she was the only one in the theater not getting it. Like not understanding what was happening. Also to laugh
3: at what was taking place on screen. Yeah, We don't want to spoil it for anybody if you're going to go see it. That's why we're being a little cute here. Right. You'd have to be kind of a fucking monster to laugh at those moments.
2: Well, I mean, who knows what's going on there? You know, I, I don't. I, I could try to explain it in many different ways, but who really knows, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe her uncomfortable laughter, she's perfected over the it years. It sounds
3: really natural and like she's thinking it's hilarious. Yeah.
2: I, <laughs> and I, I, I have told you this where I think women a lot of times develop that where they like learn to laugh at things to try to get along. I think it, they show it in in the movie too. Sure. If I I recall. Um, And so maybe there's a little bit of that going on. I don't know, but whatever it was, it made me uncomfortable. And I was like looking over at her. She was in my same row. I'm like, I hope people don't think that's me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, your uncomfortability, I mean, I want to dime you out, but it turned to frustration, which led to anger You were not happy with that lady. Like, there was a prolonged glance where you're kind of staring down the aisle at her. In what I kind of considered, like, you figuring out, you were mulling it over in your own head whether you were going to say, Hey, not a funny scene. I mean, you didn't do that. But in my head, that's what I imagined was going on inside yours.
2: Yeah, I think I was just trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah. Because it was confusing. I mean, it was a silent theater I, yeah. I don't know how to describe. It was there was no sound, there was no noise, except for the movie and the very uncomfortable, the palpable feelings that we all had, and then the weird laughter. <laughs> yeah, that was that was not like ha ha, ha, ha. It was like getting yeah. entertainment value yeah. from it, and that was yeah, that was a little disturbing to so, me. So so go
3: see the movie if you're at all interested. Mm-hmm. It is a good show. When you hear these actors and they get interviewed, they say, oh, you know, it was Margot Robbie, an interview she did. And she goes, you know, when you watch it, all of a sudden it's over. You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe. That's how it was for me. Never once did I look at my watch in the way that I do, like, trying to get a gauge on how much time is left. I didn't even do that. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. And I like that they didn't. Well, I'm not going to give it away. We'll just. It's good. It's a good movie. So if you're, if you're into that sort of thing and you want to watch what apparently that lady thinks is a fucking hilarious comedy, go check out Bombshell.
2: Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
3: So let's press forward with the progress of the show. Let's get to some listener communications. I think we've got a couple uh, emails and for sure two voicemails we're going to get to. So without further ado, we're back. We love you guys. Thank you very much. Let's get to an email.
2: We got a follow-up email from Jen in Long Beach. Remember, she wrote in about the impeachment and talked about Donald Trump is impeached, maybe. Oh, yeah.
3: oh but is he really? Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah.
2: She says, LOL, you guys misunderstood my email. I know Trump is impeached. The whole point of the email was about the next step of actually removing him from office, not whether he is actually impeached or not. When I said finally, or maybe not, it was a play on the fact that most people don't know how any of this works. Guess I wasn't clear, so I'll take the L for this one. Definitely
3: Thanks. not clear. Yes. It is very difficult to, to subtly impart sarcasm <laughs> in the written word.
2: Yes, for sure. So
3: I apologize for not uh, not getting it.
2: Well, thank you for writing in and correcting us. Yes. That's an important thing to do.
3: But absolutely. Look, it is something that when I do those One More Thing episodes or when I talk about it on, on, on uh, the Q&A things on YouTube, it's a question that I address over and over and over because of the fact that so many people don't understand it. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it wasn't like calling her out like, oh, I can't believe she doesn't get it. I think more people than not, more people than not, don't get it. That doesn't make any fucking but, sense. But, but you get it.
2: Donald Trump is also saying that he wasn't impeached.
3: Yes, that's right. And
2: citing arguments by people who are out there yeah. that are arguing the same. So it it has become something that people put on a meme and put on the internet, and now it is something that the president is actually saying, floating out there to his supporters, and you're going to start hearing it more now, because he's putting that message out there. So it started with this, like, ha-ha, look at these goofballs on the internet who don't know how life works, to, oh, no, they're really going to run with that.
3: Because it's nonsense, and this is a nonsense administration, Mm -hmm. with a nonsense fucking game show host president, who would rather traffic in, in conspiracy theory, who would rather traffic in falsity than the facts of our Constitution, than the, the facts of the actual government we exist in and the reality that we actually exist in. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, let's get to a voicemail. Thank you very much, Jen. We appreciate the, the follow-up. Very nice.
5: Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. This is Brandon from Kentucky. And I'm just having this thought on my mind for weeks now and it kind of scares the crap out of me if trump is
3: not removed from office which personally i don't think he will i hope he does but don't think he will if he's not removed from office and yet he loses the, this election what are the chances that you all think that he, he might run in 2024 and have a chance at winning again then just a thought enjoy the show Thank you, Brandon. Well, th- look, this is another thing that happens when when people ask questions about is that every little possibility, um, it is possible totally within his rights as, a, as an American who runs for office, that if he is not removed from office, if he is not um, barred from standing for public office again by a vote of the Senate, that he can run for office in 2024. However... In 2024, but he he would be like 78 years old, almost 80 years old, running for office. I mean, it's
2: like Joe Biden. Yeah, he'd Who's be a, 77.
3: Right, too old, too old to be running for president of the United States just based on the the average longevity of everybody. Oh well, let you don't me, want somebody to die in office. Oh. It just, but yeah, he could. He absolutely could.
2: Let me give a qualification, though. Joe Biden just turned 77 last month. <laughs>
3: right. He's right. just a
2: month into this yeah, whole 77 right. years
3: old. Yeah, uh, he's spry. He's yeah. a young man. Yeah. Bernie, the same thing. He's an old dude too. It's just Look, I think that, that Elizabeth Warren is is virtually on the cusp of being too old. Bernie's 78. Yeah, Bernie's 78 years old. It's I've said it. Look, I love Bernie. Bernie's great. Bernie believes a lot of wonderful things. We owe him a debt of gratitude, how he's moved policy forward and what is acceptable in America relative to politics. But he's 78 years old. Oh. If, if it bothers you that Trump would be 78, it should bother you that Bernie would be 78. And it would sh- and it should bother you that Elizabeth Warren would be 75 years old or whatever.
2: She's 70 right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's old, man. It's so young. And it's
3: not ageism. It is practical. People die in their 70s. With with heightened regularity because they're old. Having a president die in office is a is a market shaking occurrence. It is a big deal. It's not just all right. Well, line up the VP next up. That's not that's not it. Anyway, I didn't mean this for this to turn into this, but here we are. Anyway, Brandon, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. I hope I answered your question. Uh, Next up, somebody on the road.
5: Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. I'm just uh, driving on my way to Oregon. Uh, First off, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate. Secondly, I have to thank you two for uh, your words give me a lot of self-reflection, and I have decided to make the leap to move to Oregon on a permanent basis uh, with the cable company I work for, and, uh, so I can be around more diversity instead of my original Tennessee background. But I'm probably going to get a little bit of pushback, um, from whomever. It may be you, uh, or someone else. But I would like to, you know, say that I honestly do not think the way our government is set up at this time is is not working for us. It's, uh... We basically have a flaccid Senate and it's pretty much stalling any progress that we can make. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe Ben Franklin said that we need to change the government every 15 to 20 years because basically, you know, generationally there's more, there's different ideas and different feelings nationally that, you know, need to reflect those changes and you know, having senators stay in for six years and congressmen repeatedly being, uh, you know, voted back in again. We're kind of, we painted ourselves in such a corner that basically we can't change the system. The people aren't angry enough, and it all boils down to complacency. And that's just really what I wanted to say. If we're going to put, if we put term limits on the presidency, then we definitely need to put term limits on our Congress because it's not getting done. It, we need an infusion of new blood, of uh, new ideas, uh, radical or otherwise, but that's my opinion. It's not a reflection on the show, but uh, I do appreciate each and every th- everything you do. I thoroughly enjoy supporting you guys, and I really hope uh, to see and hear more of you in the future. All right, guys. I'm going to take a rest off here and uh, do my business. Uh, have a happy holiday. Love you. Uh, Brittany's the best part.
3: Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. So let me – I hear this a lot. Recently I've heard it a lot, and it is ascribing a quote that I – I think the quote you're talking about – is a Thomas Jefferson quote not a Bill a, a Bill Franklin uh a Ben Franklin quote and and it was it's in a letter from Thomas Jefferson to a guy named William Smith and the sentence that gets referred to about Jefferson promoting revolution every 20 years is God forbid, first of all, he's talking about how the revolution came about, the rebellion, the anarchy, he calls it. And he says that, where did it ever exist except in a single instance of Massachusetts? And I believe he's talking about the, the, either the Boston Tea Party or, or the Boston Massacre. But he says, God forbid we should ever be 20 years without such a rebellion. The people cannot and the people cannot be all and always well informed. The part which is wrong will be discontented in proportion to the importance of the facts they misconceive. Anyway, it's written like olden times. <laughs> but I don't one, I agree that we do have all kinds of problems right now. Really? And I have said I have said in the past. Well, I used to believe no way term. We do have term limits. They're called elections every two, four and six years for federal offices.
2: And then you see old footage of footage, (laughs) old, old footage of Mitch McConnell. And you feel what? Um. It doesn't really change. See, the problem Oh I, I thought believe, you were gonna say that you changed your mind about no, no term I haven't
3: changed my mind. I am I'm I'm, so, I'm softened to the idea. I see. I'm a little bit more open to it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that that is where our I think that is fixing a symptom and not trying to cure the disease. Hmm. The symptom of our problems is untold, anonymous fucking corporate money in politics the reason these dipshits do what they do and feel they have complete immunity from consequence is because they're serving corporate interests they're serving the 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 whims of these corporations who pay millions of dollars for lobbyists who f- bankroll campaigns through dark money in 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 political action committee funds pac money If we were to remove that and and get a makeup on the Supreme Court that would um, do away with the citizens, reverse the Citizens United decision, it would be a different culture in politics where they would be answering to the people because the bulk of their money would come from public interest, not corporate interest. So as much as I'm swayed by the argument, to a degree, that we do have a problem, there there does need to be structural change. I think that that, that jumping to term limits, because what you're going to end up having is you you kick out uh, dickface McGee, and you get moron McGee. (laughs) who's just funded by the same corporate interest, who's funded by the same uh, non-transparent dollars. Mm -hmm. You haven't fixed the thing you want to fix. Money in politics is where it's at. That is the holy fucking grail Mm -hmm. of making change in our country politically.
2: Well, it sounds like... You are not someone who's happy that Tom Steyer and Michael Bloomberg have spent a combined total of $211.7 million on TV advertising yeah. uh, th- since uh, through, I'm sorry, December 24th. Yeah,
3: that is a way to try to buy the election because they're also, like, when you see Tom Steyer, I get these uh, ads in my Facebook feed. Donate $1, everybody. Tom Steyer doesn't need the money. He doesn't give a fuck. That's why he's wanting you to give $1 because the rules for the debate system, he has to have a certain number of, of individual of, of individual donors. Right. So he doesn't care? It's not the money for him. Yeah. It's the number of donors just to 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 hack the system. Yeah. To to make the to to technically follow the rules. And Bloomberg is another one. He doesn't give a fuck. He's so he is so disdainful of the system, disrespectful of the system, that he doesn't even fucking care to get on a debate stage.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: He's just going to blanket the airwaves with over a hundred million dollars worth of ads from his own pocket, a tenth of a billion dollars worth of ads, all fucking ready, already. We are early in the primary system. We haven't even gotten to the to the general election.
2: Well, and to break that down, because that was a combined total, right? Tom Steyer is at one hundred and nine million.
3: Yeah, and he's been in it for months. Bloomberg just got in, and he's already spent one hundred ten million.
2: One hundred and two. One hundred
3: and two million. One
2: hundred and two million. Yeah, and and think of right all of the good that could happen as a result of that money. Oh yeah. What kind of social problems they could help alleviate? With that money. Instead, that money is going to put pictures of their little faces on billboards and on TV screens. Come on now. A
3: quarter of a billion dollars from these two dudes out of their, they're writing checks. It's disturbing. Yeah.
2: Because also, what does Tom Steyer bring to the table? He was on the last debate. I can't remember anything that he said that was noteworthy.
3: No, only thing... Donald Trump was a fraud and a failure. He speaks in bumper stickers. Uh, He speaks in his bumper stickers.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, Anyway, so listen, all good ideas. Well, Also, let me say this. Thank you um, for the kind words about the show. We don't want to gloss over that. Yeah, very nice. Also, I'd like to know where in Oregon you're moving because Eastern Oregon real diverse western oregon on the portland side yeah pretty diverse mm-hmm. almost like northern california mm-hmm. just with much better weather <laughs> you know they have seasons there
2: indeed <laughs> um so thank you for th- those kind words absolutely i want to read this email that we got from jim hello Brittany, and i'm gonna add jesse on here because it's at the end nah, fuck at me. The, at the end he fuck says me. y'all at the end <laughs> <laughs> it's Jim in Houston. I thought of you when I heard that Allie Willis died last week. I'd never heard of her until a couple months ago, and she was on Paul's podcast. I forwarded the episode to you. Such a full and wonderful human being. Great story about writing September for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Love y'all, Jim. Now, I know exactly what Jim is talking about, because for the longest time, my favorite bit of information that I learned about Earth, Wind & Fire was from Allie Willis when she talked about writing September with Earth, Wind & Fire, with Maurice White in particular. And you know this because it's about Badiya, which is a prominent lyric. Who cares what it
3: means, man?
2: (laughs) So she talks about writing September, and this is this is from this NPR article. Quote, the kind of go-to phrase that Maurice used in every song he wrote was body-ya, she says. So right from the beginning, he was singing body-ya, say, do you remember? Body-ya, dancing in September. And I said, we are going to change body-ya to real words, right? Wrong. Willis says that at the final vocal session, she got desperate and begged White to rewrite the part. And finally, when it was so obvious that he was not going to do it, she just said, what the fuck does body ya mean? <laughs> <laughs> and he essentially said, who the fuck cares? She says, I learned my greatest lesson ever in songwriting for him, which was never let the lyric get in the way of the groove. And yes, I'm getting emotional as I say it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's something you've said before, which is that that's that's that where you got that, yeah, you never let the lyric get in the way of the groove,
2: yeah, I'm such an idiot that I'm getting emotional about that um but so jim sent this th- sent this to me, and she did pass away, but that's one of my favorite anecdotes when when I read it, it was just the best, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I appreciate Jim forwarding that to me. Anything that you see out there in the world about Earth wind and fire just know that I would be happy to read about it,
3: yeah, of course, yeah. It'll make
2: Brittany get a little misty. I know. Oh my God. <laughs> a
3: little tear. Little teary. Yeah. <laughs> that is fantastic. All right. Well, listen, we would love to hear from you as well. 657 464 7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dolamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and Good looking listeners like you, by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore.
2: We've been getting several PayPal donations, so we want to make sure that we give people a shout out when they do that because That's becoming a pretty consistent thing. Yeah. So if you choose not to go with Patreon, that's totally fine. We want to give a shout out to the PayPal supporters here. We want to thank Deborah. Deborah. And we also want to thank Yvette.
3: Yvette.
2: And then we also want to thank Christopher.
3: Christopher. You see,
2: it's a little bit different in that I have to scroll and (laughs) open, scroll and open.
3: (laughs) Yeah, because we're doing this on the fly.
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so thank you to everybody who supports us we really appreciate it we are very excited to enter 2020 the election year okay big time guys
3: yeah we're he- i mean it's here it's- yeah imagine that that it's october november october you know when the elections <laughs> are in october november 3rd 2020 yeah, yeah. we're not even a year away from the general election to get fucking rid of Donald Trump, yeah, the tempo of our coverage and the intensity is gonna it's gonna pick up,
2: yeah, honestly, I am very terrified, but I am looking forward to walking this journey along with the audience, yeah, yeah, me too. and having open conversations about what we think is best, who we think is best what's going on, processing it together. And I think that's one of the things that I value most about doing the show is, and we were recently talking to people about doing the show, people who don't know a lot about it, people who are in our lives, but who don't listen to the show and, and haven't taken a lot of time to care about it. And <laughs> <laughs> and we were we were talking about this, how one of our favorite things is, and that there's evidence of it throughout the episodes is allowing ourselves to be changed and molded by the conversation that yeah, comes up for sure. by hearing from people from all over the world that hold us accountable for what we say, that tell us when we have made a misstep, when we have said something that isn't totally right, when we've said something that is offensive, right? Yeah. Those are all important conversations to have. And we very much value that feedback.
3: I I I want to I want to kind of piggyback off of that and say that for me being white straight male it it, it certainly has been an eye opening it maybe the thing that has really been a catalyst for me changing my mind on so many things that obviously I view the world through, through the world through the eyes that I have and the experiences that I've had but those experiences are are based on the the the, the white supremacy of our society, the patriarchal governance of our society. And I have the, the, that privilege. And it's nice to get checked a little bit like, Hey, that's, it doesn't invalidate my position or the way I feel about things, but it, but it, you have to, if you are, if you are in of, of like mind and like experience from me, to take into account other ways of looking at the world and other experiences that people have had that mold the way they think too, because those opinions are absolutely as valid as any other. And th- those those moments I think are great too. So anyway, thank you guys. We We very much appreciate all of your input, all of your feedback, all of your support, keeping the lights on. You guys are awesome. Democracy. facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism.
2: So I'm actually gonna surprise you, Jesse D, because we didn't talk about talking about this, but I wanna talk about not talk about talk about talk. talk about talk <laughs> about Elizabeth Warren and Wine Caves. All right. Okay. So yeah, we didn't talk about the debate, you guys. No one watched it. No one cares. We're we're all burned out. Okay. We watched it. We planned an episode about it, but we're not gonna we're I've, not gonna talk about I've it. I've still
3: got all the clips. Okay. On but board right now.
2: In that debate on Thursday <laughs> night, Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg got into it a little bit, and it was particularly on the issue of wine caves.
3: Want me to play the clip?
2: Let's play it.
4: Mayor Judge, you had your hand raised. Can't help but feel that might have been directed at me. And here's the thing. We're in the fight of our lives right now. Donald Trump and his allies have made it abundantly clear that they will stop at nothing. Not even foreign interference to hold on to power. They have already put together... More than 300 million dollars this is our chance this is our only chance to defeat donald trump and we shouldn't try to do it with one hand tied behind our back the way we're going to win is to bring everybody to our side in this fight if that means that you're a grad student digging deep to go online to peteforamerica.com and chip in 10 bucks that's great and if you can drop a thousand dollars without blinking that's great too we need everybody's help in this fight. I'm not going to turn away anyone who wants to help us defeat Donald Trump. We need Democrats who've been with us all along, yes, but we also need independents worried about the direction of the country. If you were a Republican, disgusted with what's going on in your own party, we're not going to agree on everything, but we need you in this fight and I will welcome you to our side. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Senator Warren, 45 seconds to respond.
0: So the mayor just recently had a fundraiser that was held in a wine cave full of crystals and served $900 a bottle wine. Um, think about who comes to that. He had promised that every fundraiser he would do would be open door, but this one was closed door. We made the decision many years ago that rich people in smoke-filled rooms would not pick the next president of the United States. Billionaires in wine caves should not pick the next president of the United States. Mr. Mayor, your okay. response.
4: You know, according to Forrest Magazine, I am the, literally the only person on this stage who's not a millionaire or a billionaire. So if... This is important. This is the problem with issuing purity tests. You cannot yourself pass.
2: Give yourself some time, there, Pete. You're not old enough. Yeah, th- that is. An they odd. are in their seventies, Pete.
3: Yeah, they've had they've had <laughs> more. They've had more years to accumulate wealth than you've been accumulating wealth. Double the time. Yeah. I well, mean, <laughs> well, you figure he's 37 now.
2: Mm-hmm. He
3: let's say he started when he was 22, 24, maybe after grad school. He he's only had a
2: 13 years. Yeah, he just started with the wine caves. You got to give him, I mean, he has decades of wine caves right. to really get him where he needs to be.
3: Right, right. Should should we continue with the clip cuz mm-hmm. she does come back.
4: If I pledged If I pledged never to be in the company of a progressive democratic donor, I couldn't be up here. Senator, your net worth is 100 times mine. Now, supposing that you went home feeling the holiday spirit—I know this isn't likely—but stay with me—and decided to go on to PeteForAmerica.com and give the maximum allowable by law, two thousand eight hundred dollars, would that pollute my campaign because it came from a wealthy person? No, I would be glad to have that support. We need the support from everybody who is committed to helping us defeat Donald Trump. We would. We would like to bring in everyone, but obviously, Senator Warren, like to give you a chance to respond.
0: I do not sell access to my time. I don't do call time with millionaires and billionaires. Sorry, as of I when, don't Senator? Meet, I don't meet behind closed doors with big dollar donors. And look, I've taken one that ought to be an easy step for everyone here. I've said to anyone who wants to donate to me, if you want to donate to me, that's fine but don't come around later expecting to be named ambassador, because that's what goes on in these high-dollar fundraisers. I said no, and I asked everybody on this stage to join me. This ought to be an easy step, and here's the problem. If you can't stand up and take the steps that are relatively easy, can't stand up to the wealthy and well-connected when it's relatively easy when you're a candidate, then how can the American people believe you're going to stand up to the wealthy and well-connected when you're president and it's really hard?
4: Judy. Senator, Judy. Uh, Senator I've got Ted, oh, yeah. you hey, no to respond. Mr. Mayor, if you can't say no to a donor, then you have no business running for office in the first place. But also, Senator, your presidential campaign right now, as we speak, is funded in part by money you transferred having raised it at those exact same big-ticket fundraisers you now denounce. Did it corrupt you, Senator? Of course not. So to denounce the same kind of fundraising guidelines that President Obama went by, that Speaker Pelosi goes by, that you yourself went by until not long ago in order to build the Democratic Party and build a campaign ready for the fight of our lives, these purity tests shrink the stakes of the most important election. Judy. We'd we'd like to bring out.
3: All right. Let me just address that last thing and then you can go on with whatever it is because I don't know what you're going to talk about. Um, there's a difference between running for senator and taking money from 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 big dollar donors when you're a senator and you're one of 100 votes in the Senate. There is a difference. I'm not saying it's great, but there is a difference between that and being president of the United States of America, Lil Pete. A vast difference. The power differential between a single sitting senator and the president of the United States isn't even compared. Fucking nonsense, and it's not an argument.
2: Well, I don't think Elizabeth Warren did well in that exchange, but I also see all of the little moments of manipulation from Pete Buttigieg to hitting the Obama buzzwords to talking about how he is the only non-millionaire billionaire on the stage, you know.
3: You're also the young, you're yeah, a kid, dude. Yeah,
2: you're not you're well, he's not a kid, but you're not you're not being reasonable. You're not you're not being you're not being truthful, yeah. right? So what happened was and Pete Buttigieg when he said that line, since when, senator? Since when have you stopped, right? Well, he was just calling out to the AP to release this article, and I think it was the day after is when this AP article hit, talking about how Elizabeth Warren, in June 2018, held a fundraiser at the City Winery Boston, and people who donated could be be treated to songs during a concert from Melissa Etheridge. Mm. Very nice. And... For those that could contribute or raise fifty four hundred dollars per couple or twenty seven hundred per person, the, right? The,
3: the the legal it's the limit you can right. individually donate to a candidacy. Now it's twenty eight. It was twenty seven hundred.
2: Right? They were treated to a VIP photo reception and premium seating. Mm. And then for them and other people who gave at least $1,000, they got souvenir wine bottles. Nice. Ooh. (laughs) Okay. So this story was everywhere talking about how Elizabeth Warren is a hypocrite. And I even saw people like David Axelrod sharing it and saying, we knew this was inevitable when she went down this line of attack that she would have these stories come out and it would be shown that she's a hypocrite.
3: I don't. I I, obviously I'm I'm she's my she's my candidate right now, but I don't know that that's hypocrisy.
2: Well, let me let me continue a little bit because Elizabeth Warren responded after the AP article came out. Okay, and she said that when she was a senator, she, quote, saw how the system worked. And now she's saying she's, quote, going to do better than that as she campaigns for president. Quote, I have been here almost a year now, and I have sold no access to my time. I have made no special calls to rich people. I haven't had a single fundraiser behind closed doors. I want to move the system in a better direction, not in a worse direction. So my question for you and the question that everybody should be asking is, is this change as a result of truly feeling as though this is important for the political system that we have in the United States? Or is this a move of political expediency?
3: Hmm. My initial reaction would be political expediency. That's that's just right off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. It feels like that, right? But but there is a difference. Let me get back to it. There is a difference between a fifty four hundred dollar contribution between a couple and and getting checks for millions of dollars from billionaires. It's just different. Obviously, if you can donate $2,700, you're doing okay. But the difference between that person who's giving the maximum allowed by law to an individual candidate and someone, a billionaire in a wine cave in a closed door function, it is, there is a difference there. Mm-hmm. Anyway.
2: Yeah, well, and I'm I'm only asking that question because I think it's important to ask ourselves, especially when we have selected our our favorite candidate, right? That we don't start immediately when we hear information that runs con- contrary to what our perceived idea of that yeah, candidate is. For sure. To then just dismiss it as though it's an attack, as though it's fake news, as though whatever it is, whatever the excuse is. I think we should try our best to say, OK, we're going to hold this candidate that we favor to the same standards that we would hold another candidate that we don't favor. And so when I when I heard this story, right, I'm thinking, OK, did Elizabeth Warren really change based on principle, which would be great. We need more people who do that. I don't want to malign someone because they change. And I also don't want to be someone who says politicians only change for political expediency. Otherwise, there's no room to change. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's
3: all valid. What I would say is she's here now. There's no going. Now that she's made these statements and, and made this decision to only uh, campaign and, and raise money one way.
2: That's a great point. She
3: can't go back now. So that's she's, a great point. She's here now. So for whatever reason, whatever the reason is, she, even if she did the right thing for the wrong reason, she's still, she's fucking here.
2: Yeah, and... And the opposite is true for Peace, right? Who really started out as a progressive candidate and now is trying to steal the moderate voice from Joe Biden. Yeah. Yeah. He he wants to be the moderate candidate. And he really did. He started out as a progressive.
3: Yeah, Medicare for all. I mean, he was
2: all the way in. and, And now that's not the case.
3: That's what was so appealing to me about him. And that's why I've really cooled on having any excitement for him at all, because he's He's a little weaselly when it comes to his views.
2: Yeah, a little shifty. Now, I didn't want to make this into a Elizabeth Warren segment, but there's another issue with Elizabeth Warren that I wanted to talk about. Let's do it. She has, and this was a headline that everyone was making fun of on Fox News on outnumbered. You know, with all the legs and then the male in the middle. Yeah. Um. This is the
3: because he's outnumbered because there's so many laids on the couch.
2: This is the Chiron. Warren previously described her father as a maintenance man. Now calls him a janitor.
3: Come on, man! <laughs> really? That you're that's a you're making a joke about the next controversy, right?
2: Well, no. They're trying to make this a controversy. No, no but
3: you don't think it's a controversy? No,
2: no. But uh, the Boston Globe spoke to members of Elizabeth Warren's family, and apparently, she does have family members who are not happy. That they're describing, that she's describing their dad as a janitor, as though that's not...
3: It's honorable work.
2: That's not... But they're saying it's not accurate. And then they correct her by saying he was a maintenance man, so... Uh,
3: It's it's six of one, half fucking dozen of another. I mean, come on.
2: I mean, yeah, it's... You know.
3: (laughs) He's a handyman who picked up stuff. I mean...
2: Yeah, it's not like she's calling him a janitor or a maintenance man and he was a lawyer like he he was a janitor or a maintenance man and he was a maintenance man like
3: the ceo of like a janitorial supply company (laughs) 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 fucking fox news it's
2: not it's not that large of a difference yeah
3: come on so anyway we'd love to know what you think six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine there let's i tell you what the stuff that we
2: have for the,
3: for the like the Mormon Church and the hoarding of of a tenth of a trillion dollars in tithe money, we're going to talk about that next episode. I'm gonna we're gonna save that.
2: Well, and let's give a shout out to people who are either in the church who are members of the LDS church or who are former members of the LDS church. I'd like to know what they've heard about this story, what they think about this story. If they had heard rumblings of this somewhere around, if maybe they knew the story was coming. I don't know what the talk has been on the streets in the church <laughs> in terms of controlling the story. Any of that. Six five seven The secret deeds. Yes. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine or I doubt it at Dollamore dot com. And
3: then the other story we're going to talk about next time I don't know why we're spending so much time talking about what we're going to talk about next time, but is this Matt Shea, I believe his name is Yep. He is S-H-E-A. the
2: S H E A. Yeah
3: he is a and, and I really want to talk about this because this affects people we love. People we know who are in our lives, some of our best friends, live in this guy's district in Spokane, Washington. And he has been aligned with white nationalist separatist, and he's been investigated for terrorism, domestic terrorism now. The the investigation has been forwarded to the FBI by the Washington State Legislature. Anyway, we're going to talk about that next time. But since we're here on the debate, let's talk about – since – now that we're here talking about Elizabeth Warren, there was one thing I did want to criticize about her.
2: Oh, okay. So this turned into an <laughs> yeah, Elizabeth into, Warren criticism. It did. It
3: turned into the debate thing. And that is that
2: Elizabeth Warren
3: has got a lot of criticism about her plan for the wealth tax and right. how much money it actually will raise. Mm-hmm. And some economists and... Uh, analyzers of this kind of high-level math and economic data, (laughs) they they disagree. They say that it's actually going to bring in a trillion dollar less than what she claims. And her answer to this challenge on the debate was woeful at best and irresponsible at worst.
0: Senator Warren, I have a question for you. Every candidate on the stage has proposed tax increases on the wealthy. But you have especially ambitious plans that, apart from health care, would hike taxes an additional $8 trillion over the decade, the biggest tax increase since World War II. How do you answer top economists who say taxes of this magnitude would stifle growth and investment? Oh, they're just wrong.
3: I'm going to pause there because this answer would be okay if she then went on after saying, oh, they're just wrong, gets her applause line. If then she went to explain how they're wrong, that is not what Elizabeth Warren, who is currently my candidate, that's not what she did.
0: Start with a wealth tax, the idea of a two cent tax on the great fortunes in this country, $50 million and above. For two cents, what can we do? We can invest in the rest of America. We can provide universal childcare, early childhood education for every baby in this country, age zero to five. Universal pre-K for every three-year-old and four-year-old and raise the wages of every childcare worker and preschool teacher. We can do even more for our public schools, for college graduates, we can cancel student loan debt. But think about the economic impact of that. You leave two cents with the billionaires, they're not eating more pizzas. They're not buying more cars. We invest that 2% in early childhood education and childcare. That means those babies get top-notch care. It means their mamas can finish their education. It means and their mamas and their daddies can take on real jobs, harder jobs, longer hours. and I, We can increase productivity in this country, and we can start building this economy from the ground up. That's how we build it in small towns. That's very, how we build it in rural America. And that's how we build it in urban America, like an economy that works brief not answers. from Wall Street, but that works from Main Brief Street. responses from Mr. Scott.
3: Stock- so she what she did there was promote the merits of the idea of taxing the ultra wealthy. She didn't defend her position against the claims of what they're saying, what the economists are saying.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: that's look, it may work. It might be great debate, great for for typical uh, viewers of a debate who they just they look at it like a sporting competition, but I want answers.- mm-hmm. I'm a voter who wants answers. She's still, right now, my top candidate. But this this really disappoints me. Bums me out a lot.
2: Yeah, and Bernie Sanders is actually in the same boat with his climate change plan. Climate change experts have been very critical, talking about how the sense of urgency is correct, right? Yeah, sure. But that the plans that he has in place to deal with it are unrealistic and impractical. Mm-hmm. So... This isn't something that only Republicans have an issue with, right? Not listening to experts, not listening to scientists, right? And I, I think it's important that we also slow down on that issue and encourage our candidates to check in with the experts, make sure that their plans are reasonable and sound yeah. and practical. And the way that that happens is by talking to experts. Well, listen, in
3: you're, not gonna, you're not going to public po- public popularity your way out of climate change, What's going to, what's going to fix it is listening to the fucking scientists and it's the same goes with, with the economy. You're not going to just because people are happy about everything doesn't mean you're going to make fundamental structural change. You have to go by what the value of experts and mm-hmm. listen to what they say. So anyway, I, I just, this turned into a completely different thing, which is great. Just having a good time, Brittany Page. Yeah. A good, good, speaking of good times,
2: mm-hmm.
3: we're going to end on this. She's not an asshole of today because this happened a few days ago. So we'll just, we'll not play the intro for the segment. Mm-hmm. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Mm. There was a moment in the campaign where, where, in the debate. Yeah, in the debate, sorry. There was a moment in the debate where Joe Biden was talking about, Joe Biden grew up uh, with a stutter. He's always struggled against he battled against um, overcoming the stutter, mm-hmm. and during the debate, he he was talking about encountering children on the campaign trail who say to him, "I, I, I," and then he he mimicked a stutter. He mimicked a stutter. It, it proved because I've always been kind of hesitant. Is that true? I don't know. He did the stutter so well, like really well that he, it, he has to have of overcome a stutter. But anyway, Sarah Huckabee Sanders immediately took to Twitter and started being the hateful fucking maniac she is. And we're going to talk about that, but we're also going to talk about the media's reaction to it after this clip.
1: Former White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders did something that her former boss almost never does, apologize. And what's more here, her mea culpa was for the former Vice President Joe Biden. This all stems from the comment that uh, the former Vice President made during last night's Democratic presidential debate.
0: My wife and I have a call list of somewhere between 20 and 100 people that we call at least every week or every month to tell them I'm here. I give them my private phone number. They keep in touch with me. The little kid who says I I I I I I I I can't, I can't I can't talk. What, what, what do I do?
1: So Sarah Sanders then tweeted a comment mocking Biden, writing, quote, I have absolutely no idea what Biden is talking about, to which Biden actually responded, saying, I've worked my whole life to overcome a stutter. And it's my great honor to mentor kids who have experienced the same. It's called empathy. Look it up. Thus then triggering this response from Sanders, quote, I actually didn't know that about you. And that is commendable. I apologize and should have made my point respectfully.
3: Well, first of all, she didn't just type, "I have no idea what Joe Biden's talking about." I want to say that first. She said
2: "I i i i i have
3: ha, 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 ha have no idea what Joe Biden's talking about right m- m- Mocking mm-hmm. the stuttering
2: yeah, I'm sure that in the in the actual video clip. They had it up on the screen, so maybe yeah. that's why she didn't clarify that. But I am going to take issue with the fact that they're leaving out a very crucial step here. Yeah, deleted tweets. A deleted tweet that Sarah Huckabee Sanders sent out. And I know this because I was watching the debate, and I had Twitter open, and I was following this as it happened. So when Sarah Huckabee Sanders sent off this tweet, there was a storm against her because about a month prior on Twitter, this article from The Atlantic went viral and it's entitled What Joe Biden Can't Bring Himself to Say. And this article talks about Joe Biden's stutter and how he struggled with it. And a lot of people didn't know until they read this article. But it's not just about Joe Biden. It's also the author who struggled with with stuttering, and, and his name is John Hendrickson. I've been saying stuttering this whole time and not hiccups, right?
3: Yeah, stuttering, right.
2: Because I just got the idea in my head that I've been saying hiccups. I
3: did not hear hiccups. I probably would have said something.
2: Okay, good. <laughs> I mean, if you did, that's
3: my bad for not yeah. paying closer attention. I was
2: getting so fired up, I'm like forgetting <laughs> what I'm saying. So... Sarah Huckabee Sanders, once she started getting all of this negative backlash to her hateful tweet, she retweeted the I, "I I I have absolutely no idea." Right, the stuttering tweet. To be clear, was not trying to make fun of anyone with a speech impediment. Simply pointing out I can't follow much of anything Biden is talking about. Which
3: is a fucking bald face lie she's
2: not even a good liar i mean no one believes what you're saying you typed out all of the eyes you spaced them out you put extra h's in the have yeah we know what you're doing
3: absolutely and
2: you know what you're doing because you deleted the tweet and left up the apology yeah and that's what the media talked about. And it is remarkable to me, these people yeah. with the resources to be able to dig this stuff up and then they run with this story and make her a hero when that is the last thing that Sarah Huckabee Sanders needs to be painted yeah. as.
3: Well, what, what what, Brooke Baldwin here from CNN, just to be clear who this was, she leads with Sarah Huckabee's former, former White House press secretary for Donald Trump did something her boss never does, everybody. She apologized. And then they go into the story, leaving out the crucial element that she fucking lied. Ah. She mocked him, lied about mocking him, deleted the tweets that would indicate that she lied and then covered it up. And they only covered the apology.
2: And they reward her.
3: Yeah. They reward get her. Get the fuck out of here.
2: And this is, I'm so happy that we're doing this because I was fired me up, right? Too. I know. Oh, good for <laughs> us. Because it's important to criticize this, though. Popeye, come over here and pat me on the back. We, <laughs> he's He's looking up. He's like, what? What do you want me to do? <laughs> we often play news packages from CNN. And this is an instance where they got it wrong. And they're going to get it wrong and they have gotten it wrong and they need to get their shit together because yeah. it's almost 2020 and things need to be different here and if they're not we're all in trouble well also
3: listen we get we do get shit from time to time that we, that we play CNN and different media outlets I don't play unless we're going to talk about the disinformation I don't just play two people yammering and yelling at one another and debating one another from the Trump side and the Democrat side we don't do that I try to play just the straight coverage, and then we talk about it. And then, you know, we, because what we do is also part of criticizing the media. It's not solely what we do, but then we do that. So anyway, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, today and many, many days, I believe, asshole of the day.
2: We have a real asshole of today if you'd like to do it.
3: Oh, I, I would like to. I'd like to a lot.
2: It's the of today. Employers who make it difficult for employees to go to the bathroom. All right. I don't know how to say it any other way.
3: Bosses who are dicks about bathroom breaks.
2: Okay. So I found two stories that sum this up. One of them is from Idaho news.com.
3: Really? Yeah. That's weird.
2: Channel two. Apparently. I don't know. Sure. Uh, this is the article. A company has a bathroom sign that claims that employees must follow a strict time limit or else face a smell check. (laughs) Read it again. Wait, come on. A company has a bathroom sign that claims, and let's really bold claim here, okay, that employees must follow a strict time limit or else face a smell check. What kind
3: of smell check?
2: Well, this sign appeared on Reddit. Okay, so okay. we're also we're we're calling it a claim still. Grain
3: of salt here.
2: Attempts to stop workers from taking long breaks. Quote: If in bathroom for more than ten minutes, a smell check will be completed to ensure employee not sitting on phone. If it does not stink, employee's name will be reported to office. Really?
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, it sounds outlandish and fantastical to me, but. I've heard worse stories about crazier shit going on.
2: Well, so the thing is, I saw this in conjunction with another article about a toilet...
3: Not really in conjunction with, independent of, right? You found this other story that that the kind of leads people to believe this might be true.
2: Yeah, I mean not yeah, not in conjunction with it. The same like the same day I saw this article. And it is a a more uncomfortable toilet that is being invented by a British company called Standard Toilets and they have filed a patent for a toilet with a seat that slopes down at 13 degrees, making it <laughs> making it more difficult to sit for a long time. And the idea here is that companies We'll use these toilets, we'll put them in workplaces, and then that will encourage employees to take care of their potty break business quickly and then get back into work.
3: Come on, man. I mean, really?
2: So the whole smell check thing might not be real, but the whole manufacturing toilets to be at an uncomfortable degree that causes you to want to not hang out there for a while and get back to work.
3: Listen, first of all, who's hanging out in the back? That's my question. I get it. I get it. If you had a rough night, you drank a little too many good time drinks and you feel a little hungover, but how much time are you really getting of benefit by going to the fucking toilet are you staying in there for an hour or are you you know seven minutes when you should have been five minutes ten minutes when you should have been five minutes Mm -hmm. who's disappearing for an hour Uh, come on man Uh, i'd love to know what you think (laughs) I guess. I I would like to toss it out there and see what kind of experiences they've had with bad bosses about this particular topic.
2: I know. What an awkward conversation, right, for, like, a boss to have with somebody. And what are they smelling? Like, Are they
3: smelling the people's, I mean, clothes?
2: No, I'm not even talking about the smell check at this point anymore. I'm just talking about, like, if you're concerned that an employee has been spending too much time in the bathroom, how do you have that conversation? Because, like, what if someone has what if someone has you
3: need to drink more water because you're clearly stopped up quit eating so much cheese
2: well I'm trying to think of what (laughs) like some of the diseases that people yeah Yeah, sure what if they have something going on IBS or something yeah yeah and then they feel as though you're discriminating against them you know
3: well you would be they wouldn't feel like it you would be
2: so you can't really have that conversation right it's also
3: just dickish it's like you're fucking putting a, a, a time limit thing on just if if you have a boss like that, just go out and buy the poop spray. Yeah, if they have poopery which clears the scent. Yeah, go out and buy like bear shit smell and just really wreck a room.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: <laughs> anyway, we'd love to hear from you. We're going to end it there six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I it at dollarmore We love you guys. We would love to read your reviews on Apple Podcasts. That would be a good time. Helps us grow the show, reach a new audience. So we'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dalimore, and this has been I Doubt